I'm Mike. Scott. Dave. And this is Between the Lines. And we're back. We're back. We are here. So last episode, we talked a little bit about racism in the United States um, and how it's never been a good thing ever, ever, ever. Every time it's tried, it's a bad thing. <laughs> um, uh, so we went over um, a little bit of history of certain things in here in the United States and throughout the world and some examples of horrible atrocities that are happening right now, um, such as... Uh, the the farmland being taken away from farmers in South Africa to um, genocides in China to classifications of people by race in China to all kinds of different horrible bad th- bad things that are just happening all over the world. Um, not to um, you know kind of water down what's going on here in the United States, but trying to put a little bit of context to it um, and uh, kind of shed light on some darker things that are happening throughout the world you can find us on facebook at uh, facebook.com forward slash pa between the lines you can find us on twitter at the btl podcast and you can find us on our website thebtlpodcast.com so in today's episode i think we're going to follow along the vein of uh, racism um, and just kind of point out uh, some numbers, uh, some good work that's being done, um, you know, countering the 1619 project and things like that. Um, so, uh, last week, uh, we were kind of in the, uh, after wave, so to speak of the Chauvin trial and the guilty verdict and all that stuff. And we were still kind of riding that wave out and having had time uh, to kind of let that pass. um, You know, we had talked about how it was wrong, uh, what he did and all that kind of stuff. Um, But I think that our our, um, focus really was that it was just a crime. It was a crime. It was a horrible crime. Uh, But racism had never has hasn't been proved and still hasn't been proven that race had any um had any part in it it was just an american murdering another american or manslaughter however you i guess he did get second degree murder didn't he yeah i think so or he well he was convicted on was it three counts yeah one 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 count of of negligent manslaughter right um, one count of second degree murder with, I think it was with an intent, some sort of an, an intent attached to it. But at any rate, he was guilty on all three charges, which anyone who's seen the video, quite obviously he was guilty of those three charges. Um, my only concern with that whole trial was the publicity of it, but we've already gone over all that. We don't need to rehash that. Um, what I would like to bring up, I I don't know if we want to lead with this or not, but, um, I guess we are already anyway. Um, I just, it just bothers me that the first sentence that Google highlights in NBC news coverage of the sent of the, the, well, the sentencing of Chauvin is the first four words are Chauvin who is white. (laughs) 
the end. Well, yeah, was like, convicted like last nobody week. Nobody had so. but, a clue. But Chauvin, who, well, not even, you don't need to say that. Everyone obviously knows. You don't need to keep shoving that in everybody's face that there was a difference in race and making it a racial thing. He's a bad cop. And if he killed somebody who didn't deserve it for any reason. This was a negligent cop. Yeah. That did negligent things. And now, I'm not trying to make light of what he did, but let's be honest. There was a lot of distraction there. He was he had cameras in his face, um, and he was trying to keep people back. He was um, people were shouting at him. So I'm and, and again, I'm not trying to say that anything that this guy did was right, but there were a lot of factors that played into this. And according to all of the evidence in the DA, race wasn't one of the factors. He didn't see a black guy and say, "Oh, I've got to kill this guy because he's a black guy." That's um, what I mean. He, he was just, just an idiot whatever the reason is it doesn't to me it doesn't matter somebody died who yeah. shouldn't have died and with this guy's culpable and this guy's culpable exactly and that's all it needs to be we don't need necessarily to attribute any motivation to it if he just don't commit the crime the motivation is irrelevant and just just for a second i mean i want to talk about the symbolism of lady justice for a second because um, anyone that's ever seen the statue, um, the depiction of Lady Justice, this is she has a blindfold. Yeah, this is a this is a that's the point. An ancient symbol. This isn't a yeah. United States symbol. This is a symbol that goes back to ancient Greece, I uh, to it, the ancient yeah. Romans. Uh, this is uh, an old belief. Not always taking the exact same form of that no. statue no. drawn the same way, but it's the idea of justice, not. It doesn't. It's purely about she. Like she has, she has a scale. And she a has a scale and a blindfold and, and a sword in the yeah. other hand. And then one thing, one thing that people don't re- actually recognize is she's standing on a snake. So if you look at the symbolism, what she's doing, she's blindfolded. She's not supposed to see the person in front of her that she's judging. Right to her, doesn't matter yeah. who who it is. The scales. All the evidence is put on the scales, and all the facts are weighed on the scales. She has the sword because the decision has to be upheld. She has to have teeth. Yes. To there, some degree. Yes. There in has order to, to be. Yeah. There has to be some threat. Authority. Of noncompliance. Yes. One of the things that uh, really was brought up by a couple of different commentators on the whole uh, process, the whole uh, case itself, is that when you listen to a lot of the back and forth from the prosecution, it got into a lot of like emotional evidence. Yes. Right. It wasn't. Well, yeah, that's, that's not what evidence. And that's, what, and that's what I, yeah, yeah that's, that's what I'm, yeah. And that's exactly. what I'm getting at is she's supposed to l- blindly look at the facts, which is the scale. Yes. Weigh the facts. And then the, the, the sword is the enforcement. And the, the biggest symbolism I think is her standing on the snake. That's her, suppressing evil that's her suppressing um you could all, you, because the yeah. only way that you can have good is by suppressing the evil and blind justice is the only way to suppress evil well you could interpret that another way snakes are symbolic of you know treachery deception yes. lies yep. so you can't you have to obviously she has a blindfold on but she still has to hear mm-hmm. but she has to suppress you have to ignore and, and it's not always easy. For example, in this case, you know, 
as you say, Mike, you need to just weigh the facts. What people do, what one side or the other, when it comes to race, they will bring up the idea, the fact as they present it, that this man is a racist. And that's what the whole concept of a hate crime yeah. is about. You're presenting a fact, something that I don't even know that could necessarily be proven and isn't supposed to matter that this man is a bigot and that was his motivation. I don't I don't know that I I mean motivation is relevant. Just having any motivation at all is all that it takes. I don't yeah. care what it is. Yeah. If you're and that's only well, that's, the definition that's only of providing that's only that's only providing a reason that's that this person would have wanted to commit the crime. It's only supporting evidence. It's it shouldn't the sentencing has nothing to do with the motivation it wouldn't it's not like different motivation would have made it more justifiable exactly i'm thinking murder's murder i'm thinking of a case that i remember from i was only 14 years old when it happened but a kid by the name of eddie pollock in philadelphia um basically was i think he was like 17 or 18 years old oh 16 years old but um he actually he was homosexual um and he was beaten and killed by a group of mixed kids you know mixed races in the group and they established in the course of that case is that uh it was you know a hate crime essentially because these three kids became aware of the fact that he was um public he was public in his coming out and this is 1994 which may not seem that long ago but it was still that's a considered you know ancient times in the lgbtq2 but, community. But my point is is that they established that that was a, a hate crime because there was evident um, um, testimony from the ones who were involved with it that they explicitly hated this kid because of, you know, his proclivities and whatnot. So, I mean, that being said, you know, this, you know, when when you have a court case, you know, most of it is just presenting the facts. And that's why it's so... They're so anal in the discovery period of a a court case because you can't just randomly introduce stuff in the middle of a case. You have to have presented these facts to the other side well before it gets to the actual hearing itself. Um, And judges take a very strong and critical eye towards that kind of stuff. And it seems like there was a lot of that going on. In this case, like, oh, by the way, we've got this person that we didn't tell anybody about that we just found out about. And not that that doesn't happen. It's not that there isn't discovery still happening sure. in the course of a case. But there's there ought to be – a. that's why they give you – I think the, the statute of limitations is still two years, if I'm not mistaken, on any kind of case. Uh, you know, that being, the, that being the case, you have plenty of time in which to gather the facts. Mm-hmm. Um you know, for, for, for a situation like that. So, you know, like I used to do medical malpractice work, you know, when you became aware of something that happened that could be culpable, then you have two years from that point of, um, discovery to actually put together a case and file and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. So in their closing arguments is when you hear a lot of the emotion because from the attorneys, whether it be the prosecution or the defendant, that's when they're taking the facts and filling in those gaps with the emotion of the moment. Yeah, and well, it's also the last thing the jury Whereas remember. it's the other, yeah, it seems well, like it's the other way around. Yeah, it's, that's, they're totally, 
you say they take the facts and fill in the gaps. I say they're taking the facts. You you don't get to fill in the gaps. The evidence is the evidence. Yeah. yeah. That's just what you have. And the jury has to take that. And they're not filling the gaps in. They're manipulating in terms of narrative. the interpretation. Yeah. You know, that... To benefit and, and their... I, If anything, it's dishonest. I mean, it's really... Why do you get... I don't know how you'd ever enforce, but it's really... there. There really should not be appeals to emotion... At any point, I think. I my my question is calling something a hate crime. That, other than classifying it as per what the motivation was in the case, does it matter? No. No. All the or or maybe you know proving the abjects you know a total innocence of the victim that this person was simply basically a hate crime is tantamount to saying if somebody commits a hate crime it's tantamount to saying this person was over here just existing yes being whatever the hell it is that they are yeah being and some aspect of that became a reason for somebody to commit a hateful act against them it's wrong regardless saying that it's worse that hate crimes are worse is almost the same as saying that if they had done it for a different reason, that that would be more acceptable. And I just dis- I disagree with that. You I ha- think doing it, do- committing a crime, beating somebody up for any reason, that it's like there's motive behind every crime. Yeah. If if you're saying that if I let's say <clears throat> in this case that the the kid who was homosexual who was beaten let's say that it wasn't that he was homosexual and that it was that he was a bully or something and then yeah. these three kids ganged up on him and beat him up a lot of people i think would say that that's more acceptable that the that that kid who was a bully was more deserving of it yeah. but i think that's hypocritical yeah. because why does he deserve basically he what we're saying is he was committing acts against other people yeah and for whatever reason, they weren't egregious enough for that, us to actually do anything about it until these kids came along and beat him up. And now we're going to punish these kids, but yeah. we're not going to punish them as severely because I because we all as a society think this other kid over here maybe deserved it a little bit. Well, but well, if but if it's simply that he's gay, then we tr- then then the sentencing becomes more severe. I think that that's irrelevant it shouldn't be relevant no whether this this kid we think he deserved it or not calling it a hate crime is saying this person definitely didn't deserve it whereas any case sorry any case it's not a hate crime it's like we're saying well you kind of deserved it well it's almost it's i mean we always say that justice needs to be black and white and we're not talking about racial black and white we're just talking about wrong wrong and more wrong is essentially what it comes down to Yeah, yeah and that's why they i mean when you there's different levels of 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 uh, guilt that you can establish within the proceedings of a court case being that's why there's degrees of yeah. crimes yeah so right. i mean if you hit 51 percent on that marker of reasonable doubt you know or reasonably guilty or whatever the the metric is that you know you're you're you know, what you to your point what you're essentially saying is that there's a type of first degree murder that's worse than other types of first degree murder just because the, yeah, the victim is of the, one I, I just can't yeah the victim is part of a special class well you'll yeah. notice the 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 beauty of our justice system while it's not perfect the beauty of our justice system is is our justice system 
so far, I don't know that we've prosecuted too many people for actual hate crimes. I'd have to no. look at the statistics for that. But I don't think anyone's actually been, because it's so hard to prove. Well, it's such a weak But my, my bigger point uh, is, assertion. is what's beautiful about our justice system is, is that everybody is treated the same. If you beat five people to death with, with, a, with a tire iron, you're given 25 to life, the same as if you hit people with your car on purpose you're given to you know it doesn't matter why you did it it's almost to the point where what we're trying to do is make it so no crime ever happens Uh, yeah and exactly minority report it's just not gonna gonna, you can't without it getting to that point puts you in a worse place because of all of the things you have to do to make that happen well that's that's fascism that's how fascism that's how fascism they they start when you start arresting people before they commit before they commit a crime yeah because you're suspected because you're something you know and that it's it's interesting these the all of these corporate seminars on um you're essentially detaining your white employees for a period of time yes. for, of re-education. Yeah. yeah. Could you imagine? <laughs> they haven't even done anything I, wrong yeah. yet. You're saying you're actively participating in a system that's wrong, so you're just as guilty already, so now this is what you're going to do. That It's sentencing without committing a what crime. What is the difference between hurting a, a group of white people into a room and telling them that they need to be less white? Or hurting, hurting a, a group of black, of black people, people into a room and telling them they need to be less black. It's not. They're and both what is black equally and what, horrible. And having the idea of what it means to be white mm-hmm. and saying these people are doing it versus having an idea of what it means to be black and saying these people over here are doing that. It's the fact that you have the idea of what those things definitely mean. That is racism. Now, see, what you're, what you're expressing now, Scott, is white privilege. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. You have because oh, of your it's white so privilege. It's so good to be privileged. You don't have to think about racism. That's that's the new claim is that if you I say I have to think about it every day. If you if you if you believe that race doesn't matter, you're a racist. <laughs> so upside down. I there's a um, inside out. There's a uh, I remember this political cartoon and I can't remember what paper it was actually and this is like from back during the abolition periods um basically it's this white you know governmental elitist with an african-american man in a bathtub sitting there trying to scrub his black off <laughs> but that's is what that I'm, not what white people are that's yeah. that's what it, they just want to be a good that's a flip person. of that analogy nowadays is that basically and you know the you know i was actually thinking again it's like the most um the most uh, there was a, a specific crime that happened back in 1998 in Texas. Uh, his last name was Bird, uh, where basically they tied an African American individual to the back of their truck and drug him. Yes, I remember that. Ooh. So that when was this? This was 1998. The uh, general, the guy's name was James Bird Jr. Did he get life? I think yeah, he. I'm yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. It, it was, if, it was if, Texas, bro. Yeah, it might have been a death sentence. Oh. He was put to death. Yeah. <laughs> So I mean that being yeah, said, that happened in Texas. And think kills... about think about that. He that was it's in Texas. Yeah, and we're always you know the stereotype is that, that the They're South racist. is more racist. But a white guy drags a black guy in 1998 in Texas. I would be surprised to discover that he didn't get the death penalty. Oh, he's dead. Yeah, there's you no kill way. somebody and in Texas, he, they'll kill you back. And if he did that 
didn't get the death penalty, he better be in solitary for the rest of his life. I wouldn't want to pay for him to, to live out his life. And that's the other thing. That's that's an interesting justification for the death penalty. Um, as horrible as it, you know, we don't... Such a hard thing to even imagine yes. a situation where I, well, I would agree with that. But do you... Do you want to be the society that that also murders people, or do you want to be the society yes. that takes on the <laughs> that takes that <laughs> is willing to take on the burden of paying for somebody just to not? I think have we've talked about it before, and, and of having killed them. At least my my opinion on that is is it it really depends on the degree. For me, the death penalty should be reserved for the most egregious of the most egregious. I think dragging somebody around that yeah exactly by their whether it's ankles, wrists, neck, so, uh, tie, the, tie the chain around his neck and drug him around just, until his bottom half of his body was gone. Just so I get the the facts here straight, so that people are clear as to what I'm referring. The the actual person who uh, committed the crime, uh, his last name was King, and he was executed. Yes, he was put to, put to death uh, pretty quickly. If I, I'm not. It says, I can't well, imagine it says a here, worse King, way to kill someone. It says here, King was the third inmate in Texas and the fourth in the United States to be executed in 2019. But okay. those are isolated incidents, right? Sure. And, and, and he got executed. Yes. We, he got put down. Uh, there's no, we, we can't, we can't abide by that. We can't even, you not, you, this, doing something that bad isn't even a ticket to three square meals a day in no. a box for the rest of your life. Well, You're gone. Well, it's like, it's just, you know, it's looking at the reasoning behind killing. I mean, if I look at Jeffrey Dahmer, everybody knew he was an egregious he serial killer. He was just hungry. But, you know, <laughs> there was, I mean, there was serious, you know, mental, serious mental illness yeah, there. Not that that be, negates what he did, but no, I'm just. He would be one of the people where I would say, no, front, front of the line for this guy. Now, but here's the question. Had that. Let take take race out of it completely, and and this person ties a a person of unknown race ties up a person of unknown race by the neck, drags him around by truck. Would it be? Should he not be executed? No. If say the person he did that to, you know, stole something from him, owed him money, beat up his girlfriend. Is there a better reason that no. would result that shouldn't? That's what I mean. Calling something a hate crime is, you know, yeah. Why should you get worse punishment? You you committed the crime, whatever the motivation was. It was a horrible thing to do. You we cannot have that. There's never. It can never be that there's a more acceptable reason to do that. To the somebody. only thing that I could think of that you could call it that would be more accurate is. If you really want to say that there's a higher class of murder, um, is you could just call it an evil act of murder. Evil murder. Well, because hate but doesn't again, really... that's still saying there has to be the other side of that coin where you're saying that some that there would be a way to do that some that some, the motivation could have made it better somehow. Some murders aren't evil. Yeah, I, I'm thinking about well, killing such... that guy wasn't evil. That, yeah. I think the, that way killing they, that guy the, the executing the by the state. Yeah, that was... I don't think... I think that was justified. Because you can but, never do this again, and I'm not paying for you to live exactly. for the... Exactly. Like, and this is this is showing that if anyone it. else has th the thought yeah. that, that they may want to do this also, 
here's look, the precedent. Look at this guy. Yes. The the mark of a, a responsible society is one that uses extreme measures to set an extreme example, but yet tries to verge away or move away from having to utilize that as often as possible. In other words, you it's know, the sword that you want to keep sheathed. Yes, yeah. and it's like it's like getting into a war with another country. Nobody does that willingly. You know, as much as I disagree with FDR on some of his practices, you know, the fact was he, he was trying to keep us out of a huge... We did problem that we everything could never... that we possibly could do not to drop the bombs on Japan. Yeah, we we that was our absolute last resort. And then we dropped one, and we're like, okay, but you guys want to settle down now? Settle down now? And they kept going. No. We're like, all right. <laughs> Just so you know, we can do this more than once. Well, if you look at, I mean, if you want to do like statistics, I, I've been reading. I read a little bit about uh, Alan Turing. Alan Turing is the 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 scientist who the, was the father of the modern the computer ai and everything yeah. yeah he was the one who was involved in breaking the enigma uh, crypto machine that the germans yes. yeah, were by using. inventing the world's first computer essentially yeah. Yeah. yeah and it basically was anticipating the settings because it Are was you a, Wozniak? yeah <laughs> at 12 what was it at 12 midnight every day they would change the settings on the device so they had to come up with a way to anticipate how they would change it so they found out through keywords being Heil Hitler was the main yes, keyword. That was the that one they... thing they, they discovered at the end, I think it was, yes. of every single it was Heil it was Hitler. A common... Heil Hitler and then the date or something like that. Always in always whenever in cryptography you have like consistent formatting yes. of cipher text. Yeah. You can use that. If, yes. you, if you know what this block is going to be, then you just need to decode that. And it's now like you it's have, decoder. Now you ring. have the key for the rest of it. Reverse engineering. Exactly. It's like what's his face from uh, Christmas Carol actually, with his decoder a, ring and the Ovaltine. Yeah. He's like, that's what, what's he say when he discovers Drink the, more Ovaltine. He's like, that what a load of shit or <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. But um, yeah. My my point ring. my point was what was my point? Uh, Alan Turing uh, basically identified a means by which to. Um, interpret, you know, what it came down to is that because they had this knowledge now of when the Germans were, were going to attack, where they were going to attack, how they were going to attack, they had to keep that information close to the heart or keep their cards close to the yeah, heart. They, so to, they couldn't tell anybody even that they were how they were able to do it because if it got back to the Germans, then the Germans would change the way evolve. that they would they, they would, would scrap the whole project and go something the way else that they were enciphering everything and then that would just we'd be back to square which one. would have extended the war probably a number of years more than what yeah. it even went and they they claim that he, because of his work they we may oh, have saved goodness. like 14 or 15 million people oh, absolutely. my point and i know i'm taking a long road here to get to it is that you know maybe the statistics involved in dropping the bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki played into that we, even in the loss of life, we saved that many more lives, maybe both on Japan's part and on our own part. If you think about it from a statistic standpoint, does that bode well with us? Do, do we sit there and say, well, it's okay to lose 5,000 people? No, no, no because we understand the value yeah, of life. And that's what more, I'm getting at. It's more to do with, you know, when we, when we have a regret about, you know, having dropped those bombs. I think the perspective we need to keep is it's regretful, not that we had to do it, but that we, you know, we did what we we did to save as many lives as, you know, that was the goal, to just stop the war. Yeah. And, I've... and 
it's it's regretful to that we even that the world even took that turn that we were in that situation that's that's what we can it's not our it's not necessarily our fault that's just how the cards played out what i'm saying is that's the death penalty yes that's how the death penalty ought to be treated is that we had to go to this extent to save more people because somebody made a good point recently about the police they said the police's job is not just to protect the innocent but to protect the offender from himself from going further than what he possibly could so if you think of it in that context the death penalty acts as a, a, a means of, hey, don't go down this road yeah. because this is what could potentially happen. Well, people, it's it's fair to say, you know, with as many, uh, ideally a police officer would never be forced to take somebody's life. Ideally, we would not have any cops on the force that are trigger happy. Yeah. And I think that that number is very, very, very small. Well. Um, and we've talked about that before. We actually have some numbers on that. That's a good. Yeah. That's a good segue. But I, 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 what I was trying to say is, it should never be the cops' job, though, to make that judgment call. Again, not that I think that they are, but that's pro. That's mostly what people are upset about: is if somebody dies in the custody of a police officer, it doesn't look good, and it's not fair that they never even got to trial. Well, that's inherently. It's inherently un-American. It is because in our our belief is is that everybody, no matter how guilty they look, I mean we def- we defended the we defended the um, the British redcoats at the the Boston massacre. John Adams, yeah, um, defended yeah. defended the point. soldiers that killed um, yeah. that killed the citizens in Boston because we believe that everybody, no matter how bad they look deserves due process and a fair trial that's, so, and yeah, that's, that's, a, the that's an interesting case because the understanding you know people were trying to um you know lynch these these british officers you know who were obviously they were they were, they were wrong dragged yeah the street. well what it ended up turning out is that then they you know as a process of due justice and due process john adams was able to bring to light the fact that there were a number of kids that were spitting and throwing rocks into the face of the kids and yeah. then a rifle went off. It wasn't that somebody was trying to shoot somebody specifically, but a rifle went off in the process because one of the lesser trained soldiers freaked out in the situation and fired and hit somebody. Mm-hmm. And then as a result of that shot, it was the first shot hurled around the world, yeah, so, so to, speak. to speak. And as a result, you know, they wanted to take these, the you know, just a small mob, a small riot ended up ensuing as a result of it. But because, because justice was served in that process and because John Adams was more concerned about the truth than simply, you know, the emotion of the situation being how heavy it was at that time with them being our oppressor, so to speak, you know, we, he was able to exonerate, uh, those, those British officers from, you know, that, that, uh, accusation. Yeah. So, but that's, that's been since our inception, that's been the very core of our belief in, Liberty and justice is that no matter how heinous um, a person's crime may be, no matter how much evidence may be, um, you know, you may think you have it still, you still need to go to trial. You still need to keep emotion out of it and you need to have it in a, in a, in a different setting. You can't judge in that moment, which is, I think where we're, this isn't judge dread. We're in the same place. Right now, as they were in Boston yeah. in 1774, 
question mark ish. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you anyway. remember the Do you remember the the movie, the stupid movie with Sylvester Stallone, and recently with Keith Urban or Keith or Kyle Urban, the guy from Star Trek? I can't think of his oh, name. Plays know. Bones. Anyways, he oh, yeah, uh, yeah, Judge yeah. Dredd. Judge Dredd, Judge Dredd is this comic book character. Basically, the world is chaotic and everything, and you know, it, supposedly one percent of the actual crimes get prosecuted and everything that happen. And these 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 uh, uber armed police officers are able to execute justice, you know, at the point of crime. You know, basically, it's their job to be judge, jury, and the executioner. So, I mean, that's that is in no way, shape, or form the role of our police officers today. They're not told to do that. They're not instructed. And to, to, so you can bring up those those statistics that you have, Mike. One thing I thought is one thing that they're trying to establish is that the training, the overall training of our police officers is they're trying to establish that it's aimed at when you're in situation A, you need to react with B, which is saying that because that person is of a different race or color, then obviously you ought to make the assumption that that person is more has a higher proclivity for acting a certain way in that situation. That's what they're essentially trying to establish through all this system systemic racism, uh, you know, teaching that's going on today. Is that all cops? Even though it's if you look at your police force in Washington D.C., you have a larger propensity of police officers that are African American than you do Caucasian. You know, and that being the case, it's like you can't make the argument that police are systemically racist because I would think morally speaking, if you have police officers that are of the same race of the people that they're, you know, policing, so to speak, they would say to themselves that this is wrong. It would be like telling the Jews to go tattle on themselves during World War II. You you know where I'm getting at? It'd be like trying to turn a race against itself when in reality... We have a police force that's trained to t- treat people equally, even though there are some within that scope that don't because, yeah, they are of that small percentage of people that we don't want on the force. Mike, you uh, you brought up an interesting statistic over the week uh, about the hugely decreased number of KKK members in oh, this yeah. country. Um, I, I was, while I, I was doing some research on police killings and things along those lines, and while I was, uh, going down that rabbit hole, the Anti-Defamation League had a statistic that there's five to 8,000 active members of the KKK in the That's United crazy. States currently today. Didn't you say something about there That's was 170,000 in PA? In, 19, in 1944, there were 170,000 members in Pennsylvania alone. You know what's funny about that? 170,000. I used to, I grew up, growing up in Philadelphia, yeah, one of the places insane. I used that's to go to, number. one of the areas I used to drive to just to, you know, kill the weekend or whatever the case be was New Hope, PA, which is like right on the border of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs along the river. Supposedly Oprah had a house there somewhere. It's one of those areas, Great. just super expensive. Yeah. But anyways, uh, we always used to drive back some of the back roads. They had a bunch of like covered bridges, and supposedly there were a bunch of like KKK groups that would practice back in some of these areas because they're super heavily forested. And at night, you were supposed to be able to see these like bonfires going on with KKK members dancing around or whatever wow. the case be. I've I, seen I've seen some not members that I, of the KKK. They don't look like they can dance real. Nah, well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, James Byrd isn't. Uh, is it James Byrd, the the one congr- I don't know. congressman I don't that know. was? Anytime I see the those, strong Thurman, those <laughs> the, those gowns they wear are always huge, okay. just to yeah. contain 
It's like a bed sheet. Well, yes. anymore, I, I think that's more just cliche than it is what they actually... Well, today's KKK... It's more like Edward Another Norton. thing I learned um, It's while, a very sedentary KKK. It's more like American History X KKK. There's, there's been three generations of KKK. So we're on, uh, we're on the third generation of KKK. So the first generation was 1862 to 1871. When you say generations, tell me what you mean. Um, now this is, according to the Anti-Defamation League, there's been three iterations. Iterations. I, I don't know exactly the difference between them, but I think what they mean by that is ideologies and yeah. um, interesting and uh, pathways. So the KKK in the early 1800s during the Civil War was basically an anti-North, anti-Black, um, anti-Union establishment, sure. and it was more rebels causing yeah. trouble than anything else. They really, excuse me, they really got their uh, found their groove, so to speak, in about 1883 when they rejoined um, after the the emancipation and all that stuff. They started seeing um, more predominant black people become business owners. They were starting to be more pro- predominant in society, as they should. So they started the KKK 2.0 okay. um, in order to... That and that's the KKK most of us know. Who is was, Generation Two? Who was the one uh, governor that was really popular during the Jim Crow days? Wallace or Duke? Oh, uh, George Wallace. George Wallace. He actually ran for president. Yeah. Um, and that was in Alabama. And he was he, he was, was well known segreg- to be a he was anti segregation and he was a member of the KKK. Yeah. But the 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 KKK that we have in our he head anti segregation. No anti anti. Um, Inclusive. What's the opposite of segregation? Inclusion. Integration. Integration. Anti-integration. That's what I meant to say. Sorry. Um, So the 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 second generation of KKK. That's what everybody thinks of. They think of the white robes, the hoods, the meetings out in the backwoods, the burning of crosses. Yeah. That's second generation. Now we're on third generation. Now they're just struggling to hold on. Yeah. The old the old KKK has been dissolved. They've they've basically been run out of society. Did they, you see they, those goobers that came up to Williamsport? That's that's third generation. So yeah, what they've there's done, only like a dozen of those guys. That's so. what I mean. <laughs> they <laughs> yeah. look like Comic Con people yeah, or something. I, I wonder, like the K, you just you don't hear about the KKK ever, except in the context of somebody bringing up America's racist past because they yeah. don't and exist. also getting made fun of that's those are the only two they times exist you ever hear about only it. because what they've done is and this is why they the site that they dissolved because second generation generation kkk were were purists only they took it way too far only white <laughs> men only southern white men only you know the whitest of the white men you know what i mean now we're getting to where Catholics are yeah. KKK. Yeah. They're joining up with neo-Nazi groups. It, the KKK has just pretty much become a joke, um, yeah, so absolutely. so to speak. So it was. A, what, uh, what was the KKK's stance on religion? They, uh, they had one. Yeah, pro, uh, Protestant. Yeah, not Christian, Catholic. Specifically, no. anti-Catholic. Yeah. Protestant Which is Christian males. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so at any rate, while I was looking up those, I wanted to get to these numbers before we're out of yeah. time. Um, I, we, I, I did a little research over the week and I, I pulled up some statistics on shootings. Um, so essentially it breaks down. I went to the, the sources for this, uh, the number of shootings I got from the Washington Post's uh, op-ed on police shootings in the United States um, that was released in 2019. Um, the uh, number of police shootings um, I got from the same website. And then I got uh, the number of officers killed in the United States I got from the police uh, fallen, fallen Police Officers Memorial Fund. Um, so, essentially, breaking down the numbers by race. Uh, and today, for, for uh, time's sake, we're only going to be breaking down, um, you know, whites versus blacks because that's the conversation in the country right now. But, so, just going by, I'm, I'm going to use 2019's data because that's the newest data, 2020's data. Um, I kind of had to pull because it wasn't complete on some websites, so I didn't want to use that because um, I felt that it would be more of an estimate and less accurate. So in 2019, there were a total of, let me bring up that number, 1,004 complete total police killings, 1,004. So bre breaking that down, of, of that 1,000, we'll call it, just to make it a nice, easy number, 370 of those um, police killings were police officers killing white Americans. 370 instances of it. Um, in 2019, the white population in America was roughly 251 million. Um, it was 250.52. I rounded up. Um <laughs> So then that comes out to a per capita murder rate of 0.000001%. So that's less than uh less than a 10,000th of a percent. That's less than what Dogecoin is worth right it's, now. It's it's ridiculous. The real number that's again rounded up because honestly the numbers are so low that uh Excel couldn't even fit <laughs> couldn't even didn't even see it as a real number. The real number is point zero 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 one four seven four percent of white people are killed by police. So the argument is, well, yeah, but uh, you know, black people are killed at a higher rate. Well, that's not true. Two hundred thirty-five black people were killed by police in two thousand nineteen. That's less than three hundred seventy. Obviously, per capita, that's going to be higher. Um, same number, 235 instances of a police officer killing a black American. Um, there, uh, the, the population of black Americans in the United States in 2019 was roughly 44 million. I say roughly because it was actually 44.08 million. I rounded down. Um, so for that statistic, that means that per capita there was 0.0005% of the of the black population killed by police officers in 2019 that percentage stays roughly the same so in 2017 0.0005% 2018 0.0005% 2019 0.0005% and in 2020 0.0005% it's the same 
Yeah. It's not going up, it's not going down. Now, the number of killings does fluctuate, but because of the population of people, it, it's negligible. Not that it's not horrible when anybody's killed by for any reason, but it's negligible. Now, what I thought would be interesting is if we compared that to the number of officers that were killed in the line of duty compared to the population of the total number of officers. So if we're going to play the per capita game, then I thought that it would only be fair that we play that per capita game. So in 2019, there were 139 police officers killed in the line of duty. In 2019, there were 697,197 officers. I rounded that up to 700,000. If you do that math, that comes out to 0.02%. Which is roughly about two per hundred. Which is roughly about two per hundred, yes. So, that goes to show, with those numbers being what they are, that police officers are at a very high risk of being killed on the job per capita, just statistically. At a higher rate than any American... Police officers are at a higher rate of being killed. What was the increase in 2020? So, in 2020, uh, it jumped, and this number is verifiable, it jumped to 295. What's not verifiable is I couldn't find a solid number on the number of police officers that were employed in 2020. The number given was more than 800,000. So, I used 800,000 for the per capita, and that increased it to 0.04%. So almost half a percent. Yeah, over the course of three years, it, it actually dropped in 2019. Yeah. And then uh, spiked. Yeah, and then spiked in 2020. Doubled. Which, what happened in 2020 Yeah, that would have put officers more at risk? Riots. Exactly. Yep. So I'd like to see, not for anything, but I'd like to see what the percentage of that overall number came out of some of the cities that were in the news. Oh, sure. Portland, Portland. Minnesota, or Minneapolis, rather. But the numbers numbers show that a police officer in this country is more at risk than anyone else. Yeah. Which makes sense. I mean, their job is inherently dangerous. um, And they're... But I guess the point that I'm trying to make is is if you were... If you had that statistical... um, Chant those statistical chances that you're going to get killed showing up to work. Like if you, if 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 you were told yeah. that there was a half a percent chance that you were going to be shot at work today, you know, would you be on a little edge when you went to work? Well, just looking at that number by itself is imagine imagine you're a police officer and there's a hundred police on that known force, which is probably a larger force, a larger spurt suburban or you know urban area and the police chief or supervisor tells you there's a four in 100 chance that you know four of you are going to die in duty you know as a part of this you know because of your job i mean yeah yeah it <laughs> i do question some of these numbers yeah i i what i what i question about these numbers is the actual number of officers i yeah. i would think that the number of police officers, total police officers in the country, would be more than 697,000 just in New York City alone. Well, they may not be accounting for, 
mean, because you have to remember some smaller areas also have police officers that operate as EMTs. Yeah. So, I mean, you may have a large variety. I'll give you another, for instance, in uh, Philadelphia, the University of Pennsylvania has the largest funded private security force in the U.S. Mm. hundred police officers, essentially. And they have their own prison. They have their own cars that, you know, I don't know if there's been an instance where anybody from that specific force. So to your point, I don't know what those numbers are taking into account, essentially. So, yeah, as far as I know, the numbers that I pulled were just police killings. There was no um, there was no context behind them. They were just officers killed in the line of duty. Um, And there was a huge spike from 2019 to 2020. It was it was steadily going down. 2017 was 184, 2018 was 183, 2019 was 139, and then in 2020, 295. So, I mean, it, there was just, and again, in 2020, the um, the vitriol against the police has reached its pinnacle, um, and we're, we're seeing the results of that. And again, we're not trying to diminish police violence in any way but we're just trying to compare and contrast i think that what an argument that people would use sort of as a counterpoint is you become a police officer you sort of accept that it's a dangerous job sure you but when i'm when i'm just a citizen walking down the street I haven't taken on the burden of risk. I haven't. I didn't sign up for that. Yeah. But again, to your point, you're not at risk. An incredible high risk. No. I wonder how much. You know, as much as as much as it is true that we don't. You know, a, a police officer. If somebody's going to die for the crime, it shouldn't be a police officer committing that. Yes. It's not their job. It's not their role. They're, your role as a police officer is to bring that person to court, My, in essence. How, even even if the number of people being killed by cops is high, even if, let's say that whatever the number is, it's high. We call it high. That's our perspective because the number should be zero. Yes. That's where we're coming from. Yeah. That may be faulty logic, Ideally, the number would be zero, but we don't live in a perfect it world. It can't be zero. Also, yeah, it's never that will literally that will never happen. Not with this many people. It, that would be it would the the chances of that are astronomical. Maybe in Mayberry. Never expect yeah. Never expect that to to be the case because that's just you're a fool if you do. How how many more people would be murdered if the police did, just did not exist? Does sure. the does the existence of police increase or so decrease the number of killings in the country? You're applying the same logic as, as earlier. If the if, cops weren't that, you say police kill too many people. Okay, too many. I, I would I would agree that too many people get killed by any one period. Yes. What would it be the effect if these officers were trained differently? We don't know that it would. Well, be we already. Good. I can already answer that sort of, and I, I don't want to interrupt. But to your point, while you're while you're making your point, um, we've already seen in the areas where police have been removed, violent crime has spiked to three hundred percent. Oh, it was like seven. Uh, it was it was an exorbitant amount. In some in places, it's some almost places. a thousand percent. 
Yeah, because it was crazy. In Portland, in the Portland quote-unquote no-go zones and similar things that happened different parts of the country last year. Yeah, absolutely. Crime spiked and then it was so it was so this this woman was arrested actually. Mm-hmm. For there was a uh, somebody some I mean you can imagine who did it. Black Lives Matter was painted on this street and I don't remember which city. I want to say Minneapolis, but yeah. I'm really not sure. She was arrested. For she was arrested. Over it. She was. She painted over it, and she said, "Y'all don't care about Black Lives," and she's painting over it, and and yeah, they. It was like essentially that's graffiti, that's vandalism. They just painted Black Lives Matter on the street, and that's whatever. But they had it blocked off, and then this woman was infuriated about the actual reality that more black people were getting killed in these riots. That, and white people, just yeah. people were dying in these yep. riots because, um, and so she goes out and she has like this bucket of black paint that she's she's uh, she's covering pouring well, over correct, it. They arrested her yep. for correct, vandalism. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, uh, weren't there actual riots that were still happening after the Chauvin trial? Oh yeah, after they got yeah, the because matter. because that's what yeah people were they they said it wasn't enough. It's that like sentencing wasn't harsh enough. It's yeah. like when the Eagles go to the Super Bowl. Doesn't matter if they win or lose. Philadelphia is going to be trashed the next yeah. day. Well, I know personally that uh, Philadelphia Eagles fans hate themselves. So, yes, yeah, so exactly. It's, it's, it's messy. <laughs> it's masochistic. Wanna, um, I wanted to make a point. Um, just real quick, you made a point that you know police officers when they sign up for the job, they're they're sort of aware that there's danger. I, I have friends of mine that are on that side of the aisle who and that's the argument they use that it's perfectly acceptable to some degree that a cop gets injured because they accept that as part of their job. And I would argue when a person decides to be a criminal, they're also accepting yeah, a certain some amount degree of that of risk. risk. No, but see you're racist, so they can't. <laughs> I'm just saying if you And then the well if they, you want to walk around with you know, on drugs, with drugs, with the, guns and knives and the all The argument other stuff. that's being purported, it, well, it's, there's two sides to it. One is that regardless of whether they're a criminal, they shouldn't be killed for, you know, if I rob a bank, I should not get killed. Well, well, okay, but you robbed that gunpoint. Yes. You put the threat of death on someone else. Exactly. So... But okay, that's fair. Yes, you're right. That that person who robbed a bank didn't kill anyone, even if they were threatening, you know, you. And then they'll say he well he, he wouldn't have actually done it. You don't know that. You don't. And know second that. of all, accidents um, happen. Yeah, the gun could have just gone off. off. You brought a gun to the bank. Yes. That's not how you make a deposit <laughs> or a withdrawal. Well, you know, if the ATM's not cooperating. And and then the other the other side is that. There are people who have done nothing wrong who get killed by cops. Yeah, ah. that's actually I was going to ask that. Is that you know I don't I know you don't have these numbers in front of you, but of the thousand and four reported deaths in nineteen was it yep, two thousand nineteen? Yep. How many of those deaths, barring race, you know, involved in those crimes? How many of those deaths were situations in which the assailant pulled a gun yep. on a police officer? 
you know yeah the number of deaths or some weapon the number of deaths when the other person didn't have a gun i think is astronomically lower or proportionately much 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 we just saw last week with that on with that unfortunate girl in ohio that was we talked about it on the last episode that was stabbing she was actively actively stabbing like hand was going forward had the other girl pinned up against a vehicle none of that matters well what was the girl brianna taylor was it yes Uh uh-huh um, that that was she was in the process of murdering someone. That she that had, wasn't Brianna Taylor. Brianna. Oh, that wasn't. Oh no, no you're no, right. No, no that's Brianna else, Taylor was right. the the accidental the no knock raid on right. the wrong address. Which that by right. itself is Wait, that's is an issue. False. It was not the wrong address. No, it wasn't. No, we've been over. Oh, this. that's right. That's the narrative. It was her, her boy. Address. Her boyfriend. It was was the one they were after. They, yeah, they were after her boyfriend. And he was shooting at the police. And, and while that was not his address. He was there. Yes. He was known to be there. Or no, it was his... He had it listed on some old thing as as an address, and as that's a, how they got residence. it, so they showed up. Interesting enough, and context he, is important. He, yeah. he fired first, I yeah. think. Yeah. He and fired she got hit by out. crossfire. He fired out. It was his fault. Now... We've we've been over this. The police shouldn't have fired blindly into, into, blindly the into a no, closed door. You know but, these people are these cops are human too. Mm-hmm. The you're standing and yes, training all this whatever. You get put in that situation. I want to see what you do. Well, I'm thinking of just the overall hit. FBI, open up! <laughs> Was Sorry. that a swatting? Was that a swatting? You know, some twitcher got called the police on that's but another big problem i'm just think a... i'm thinking of, i know we're trying to wrap up here but i was yeah. just thinking of the overall hypocrisy with regards to how the the current administration has looked at uh the riots over the last couple the last year or so with regards to the riot that happened at the capitol um and i'm thinking about the one girl the one former marine that was shot, shot in the chest the um you know again you know if you compare that shooting against brianna taylor's situation i mean we don't know what what exactly happened in that situation what that girl was trying to do or what she was trying to accomplish but you know we we account for the fact that police sometimes make and what would they been police capital police or secret service in that instance that made that that shot that girl they were just police i thought were they capital police i want to i don't think it was secret real quick before we wrap it up there was something that happened in williamsport either last week or the week before that's relevant to this that i want to bring up real quick there was a gentleman in Newberry Estates that took a hostage. Yes. So SWAT team was called. He happened to be a black gentleman. Um, police had a standoff with him. He came out holding a gun several times. And he came out holding a gun. Holding a gun. Several times. And wasn't shot? No. It, and it resolved peacefully. Um, they they ended up taking him into custody, and no one was hurt. Was it to a mental able, illness issue where he was, he was threatening to kill himself? It was domest- or a domestic thing. Gotcha. Um, Whatever he, he had yeah. his he yeah. had a kid. It doesn't the, the intricacies yeah. doesn't matter. That's the, the fact perfect is perfect outcome. The police responded to a black man with a gun who had a gun in his hand who was a threat and didn't had, kill him. Who had a hostage. I wonder if they have statistics on how many of those type of situations were resolved that way. No, because yeah. that wouldn't help. It it's, doesn't fit the narrative. It's the exact inverse of the these numbers. Yeah. Again, take take 100% and <laughs> subtract out the point zero 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 three percent where somebody dies and that's the that's the number for how how often you it could doesn't get, end up that way. What what I could do is I could look into the number of police encounters um, and just kind of do a subtraction, like Scott said, the number of police encounters yeah, minus that the literally ones that, all that, it and would then be. that's how many. I know you're that talking number of police encounters. 
Millions. Huge millions. You know, I'm just maybe I'm oversimplifying this, but something I, I used to do a little bit of um uh what would you call nonprofit work in edu- in the educational field and I used to over the over the How do I reach these kids? <laughs> yes. In in the middle in the summer we would do uh, these uh these training camps where we would train kids how to interview, how to dress you know how to present themselves in a interview a process. Way. Yeah, you know if they're going for a job. So, and um, the, the point I'm getting at is somebody that I worked with actually made a really good point to me is that sometimes teachers spend too much time catching the negative and not enough catching the positive. And I think of that in this context is that we spend so much time trying to catch the negative that we neglect to see the overarching or the 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 the, the preponderance. Of positive that is happening in these situations. I just imagine a hypothetical scenario where you pitch that idea to a news, yeah. the executive. At they news don't corporate. like that. Well, no, no. Just, just why don't we yeah. run this story on so and so? You know, a cop goes to serve a warrant. <laughs> cop goes to serve a warrant. Man responds peacefully. Just comes with the co- lets him search the place. Whatever. And then the the executive would say, "That's not news." Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Happens all the time. Who cares? Well, it's like uh, John Mulaney was talking about a story where uh, his dad was telling them that they were going to this resort or something, and the guy that runs the place has one arm. And his dad, knowing the the kids would um, try to make fun of him, told him about a week or two in advance. He's like, okay, you're not going to make fun of this guy. I just need to let you know he has one arm. And John's in there, oh, yes, I can't wait. I can't wait to see this guy. And then they go to – they meet the guy, and the, he asks the guy, so how would you lose your arm? And he's like, oh, in an accident. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> whatever. Well, that was anticlimactic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I think that's a, a good place to wrap it up for this episode. Um, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash PA between the lines. You can find us on Twitter at the BTL podcast, and you can visit our website, the BTL podcast.com. Uh, hit us on the contact page, uh, sign up with your email address and, and, um, just leave us a message. Let us know. We can, um, we can always respond back, leave us a message on anchor and, uh, we may even put it on the episode until next time. Everyone calm the hell down. You always say that. It's not working. No. It's not working. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop until it, until it calms the fuck down. I think our two <laughs> listeners are calmed down. Yeah. I think they're well, listening. Good job, guys. We, yeah, we've... I we're, assume we're up, you haven't killed anyone. We're up to an audience, I think, of nine. Hell yeah. Woo! Yeah. We are, we are rolling. Approaching double digits. We are rolling here on Between the Lines. Everyone, calm the hell down. Uh, just be normal and have a great week. Bye. Bye.